this episode of the Full Nerd, Ryzen 4000 Mobile, Xbox Series X specs, and your questions answered. Welcome to the Full Nerd episode 129. I'm your host, Gordon Mong, with co-host Brad Charkas. My TV's feeling a little crowded. <laughs> Elena Yee over here. Hi, everyone. Adam Patrick Murray down in the lower right-hand corner for audio <laughs> listeners. He's With Skyping in. special guest, BB. Special guest, BB. BB's first time on the full nerd. Wait, wait, how do you spell BB? Uh, B dot B dot, like uh, BB King. <laughs> oh, okay. I was thinking, like, the clothes maker? They could sue you? No. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. Willis Lai is controlling the horizontal vertical today. Hello, everyone. Good job, Willis. Yeah, thanks. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, um, we do apologize. We are obviously adjusting to our current climate, but we do think people still want to hear about uh, cool stuff like the Ryzen 4000 and Xbox Series X. Uh, <laughs> first thing, though. Oh, wait. Adam's like, I'm used to that now. Adam usually trying to derail everything, but he's not going to. Well, I, actually, I, I, you know, if you're going to give me a chance to derail stuff, I'll derail, derail stuff and say that uh, we talked about it over the weekend in the Fulner Discord, which you should definitely hop in on. There's a link to it in the description. Um, but we started a Fulner folding at home group, uh, folding at home. Obviously, you can donate your spare uh, CPU and GPU cycles to a good cause, and uh, this cause is obviously fighting the coronavirus. So, uh, if if you want to load it up uh, and and get in there, the uh, the team number is actually PC World spelled out on the keypad. So I can't remember. It's like two, <laughs> no, seven. I don't remember. It's it's six digits. It's in just Discord. PC World. Yeah, it's in Discord. Mm-hmm. Hop in there. Give us your CPU cycles to to fight a good cause. So, wow, huh? That's cool. Yeah, I fun. actually used. I remember you know firing up folding home back in the nineties when they first set the city at home thing. So, I'm sure yeah, my city account at home does not I, work I did anymore. for a while. It was pretty cool. Yeah, we I'll throw uh, throw three or four graphics cards or tested rig and let it go to work. Yeah, and somebody was saying the, that's what we should do with the new. Um, uh, who who sent us that? Uh, it was Falcon Northwest, and it's that 64-core Threadripper, yes. Gordon. We should uh, fire <laughs> <Tell> that up. <laughs> yeah, that thing has, unfortunately, it's been unfortunately sort of uh, stuck here at the physical office. 64-core uh, Threadripper, two 2080 Ti's, 128 gigabytes of RAM. And the paint job, oh, I should have brought that in here. We should have brought that in here in 17 Oh, we should have. Beautiful. Oh, man. I can, yeah, yeah, we'll have to do that. It's next a good time. box, and yeah, but maybe before you leave, just uh, just fire it up and, and let it let it burn the company's uh, use all the electricity. Yeah, both yeah. cards and all sorts of Get our rent money worth, our money's worth for the rent we're paying, even though we're not there. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> the opposite of the uh, sixty-four core thread roper, though. The other place that AMD looks like it's winning, mobile parts. <clears throat> Mobile. Wow! Oh, good transition. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. I still got it. I can Straight do it once transition. in a while. Not Adam without Adam distracting me. Uh, of course, the big news today is AMD has finally unwrapped its uh, Ryzen four thousand chips, Ryzen Mobile, um, and of course, going all the way back to the original launch of the of Ryzen, people immediately said, "Where's the AMD? Where's the mobile part? Where's the mobile part?" Then they did the second gen part. Where's the mobile part? Mobile part. We are finally there. It is, of course, AMD's been very proud of saying the world's first seven nanometer based uh, CPU 
for laptops, not phones. Some people consider mobile phones. Seven nanometer, big deal. And uh, also for AMD, uh, eight core. We're basically looking at eight core ultrabooks like this. Basically, you're getting down to the probably, I think the first mm-hmm. ones that we're seeing are uh, eight core ultrabooks in the you know three pound range sub three pounds and then also we're seeing eight cores in h parts uh i do want to make sure you understand though even though people at amd a lot of people at amd don't even call that it is technically a cpu now it is no longer considered an apu amd at some point decided you know let's just go with the cpu thing it's just there's no reason to try to push this apu thing they 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 told me that officially but a lot of people internally at AMD still call it APU because they've been calling their mobile parts APUs for such a long time. It makes a lot of sense uh, for it just to be a CPU since, like, all of Intel's chips have integrated graphics, too. And now, as do these, you know, Ryzen mobile parts. But it's a little bit confusing to me to hear that because Ryzen on the desktop still doesn't have integrated graphics. So, yeah. to me, there's still usefulness in the distinction. Yeah, but I mean, even for Intel, you know, LGA twenty sixty six V three parts have no no discrete yeah. either. So the, I mean, in to be honest, what is a CPU? What is an APU? Of course, APU is accelerated processing unit. AMD has been pushing this since what Lano. Um, yeah. I think you know they were trying to push 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 HSA, but a lot of it is also. AMD has done this in the past where, you know what, we, we are going to try to change the conversation about this. They tried this when, when NVIDIA first introduced GPUs. AMD's like, well, we, they got the GPU, we got the VPU, right? So it didn't work <laughs> out. They themselves ended up adopting the GPU thing, but it's all in the word definitions. But the big deal is 7 nanometer and performance, as we have known since CES on paper, um, pretty much kicks Intel in the teeth in the U U class parts, um, and also of course clearly now looking like in the H parts. So basically, AMD will essentially, uh, according to their numbers, have the same advantage. Right, maybe not quite as large, but over over Intel's mobile parts as they did on desktop. So they are and Ryzen. The interesting part to me is the battery life. Yeah. The seven nanometer thing. Because, I mean, Ryzen's been around and having a lot of cores for two generations of laptops now, but its battery life has sucked. Like, we, that sucked, but it was not as strong as Intel. Like, we tested the Surface and found that the Ryzen one was way far behind Intel's ice. Like, yeah. To see them offering this battery life with this, what they're, if if it's anywhere close to what they claim, it's going to be a game changer for them. Yeah. And I do think, like, at CES, we were kind of talking about it because they unveiled the Ryzen 4000s there. And I, you know, clearly <laughs> anybody with half a brain is going to say, yeah, they're going to, they're going to romp on Intel and multi-threaded performance. Not really clear on single-threaded necessarily. I think that's still sort of up in the air, but they think they have the lead in certain, certain workloads. Um, battery life has been my big question since CES, but after going down to Austin and getting briefed on it and looking at some of their testing criteria, I, I think it's uh, really going to be a ball game in battery life. Uh, and I think that will be the last, that's the most important thing. And I know a lot of people sort of are always running on AC, but battery life is extremely bad, uh, important in uh, laptops. And if they came out the gate with, hey, we're a lot faster, but our battery life is, you know, you know, 
a, a third to a half of what you're getting out of Intel parts, then that wouldn't be good. So this, yep. for the most part, um, they're on par with um, uh, what we're seeing out of some Intel U-Class. They compared it to their uh, Ryzen 7 4800U against a Core i i7 1065G7, which is Intel's top Ice Lake 10 nanometer part, and they're pretty close, although it's a little weird because, you know, the Dell that they compared it to had a smaller battery. The Slim 7 Lenovo that they used had a bigger battery, but they did normalize it, and they had a lot of um, really interesting arguments to say, like, one, you know, we are in the battery benchmark that the entire industry uses, which is Mobile Mark 14, which they have reservations about. I have reservations about. A lot of people have reservations about. They say, yeah, we're actually better than this XPS 13 2-in-1, but we got a bigger battery but still then they also they're pushing out this interesting battery test where i don't know how reviewers are going to do it but they're saying look um we want to push this thing where uh we're going to do web browsing where we're going to hammer the gpu we're going to hammer the 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 uh, cpu we're going to do video rundown we're going to do an idle test and connected standby and we basically do all these tests and then we will see on both laptops how long they run and then we're going to create a weighting scale for what's important to us and what their predicted battery life is. Uh, and I, well, I don't agree necessarily with their weighting scale because they're saying like uh, productivity in web browsing is eight hours a day. Well, if if you do that less, or you do that more, it sort of changes it. But I like the idea of just saying here's what you get in video runtime, here's what you get if you hammer the CPU cores, here's what you get if you hammer the GPU cores, and here's a long idle. So, yep. And the video rundown test, too. But, you know, as a reviewer, it is very difficult because you're talking about doing three runs of these tests that take forever. At, at least. Like, at that least. would add, like, a week of testing. Yeah, <laughs> a minimum, right? That would add a minimum. In fact, there's. it's interesting. I had a little bit of a freak out because the slides they sent said, battery life is estimated i was like what because you're saying <laughs> you were saying this uh uh this laptop gets let me find um you were saying this uh slim seven gets like 8.6 hours in productivity in web browsing that's pc mark 10 web apps and like and but your slides also estimate a runtime and then a little note at the bottom says these are based on internal amd analysis not actual runtimes they have that on across all of them but mm-hmm. the main reason they did that, of course, one, lawyers, and two, for the idle test, which is basically, um, you know, one is connect, uh, so like Windows idle, it's 23.6 hours uh, mm-hmm. idling with the screen on. And then there's another one where basically the screen is off and you're in connected standby. It's 132 hours. So you're not going to do three 132-hour runtime tests. No. And, you yeah. know, so they had to estimate that, but they did actually do the rundown, rundown tests on most of the stuff that matters, like video I, productivity. I, I think it's pretty cool. I agree with you. I think that's uh, – even if I don't think it's going to be wind up being something that's widely adopted either by OEMs or reviewers probably because it is so labor-intensive, I think it's really cool to see that kind of detail being used at AMD itself. Yeah, and then they sort of then create their weighting or whatever. But I'm like, you've got the raw data. Just push it out there. Let people decide. I, I almost think, because I have, we have explained this for three years. And even like the debacle over the Mac 
uh, MacBook Pro 15 that just, remember, people said it had horrible battery life. It was just simply a bug in the drivers. Mm-hmm. I think that people need to understand if you're watching video these days, video is basically cruise control. You're, nothing's happening. This is the easiest load in the world now because of all the hardware acceleration in the CPU cores. And But if you're going to push the CPU or for a video transcode or the GPU for gaming, you're looking at an hour to, you know, hour and a half at best for most, most laptops. Every single laptop made because there are limits on laptops. You cannot make, you cannot put a battery larger than, you know, 100 watt hours. You go over that and you can't bring it on a plane. And most people yep. want battery uh, laptops they can bring on a plane. So if you made a 200 watt hour laptop, you're not bringing it on that plane. So it's just, you're yeah. never going to get a bigger gas tank. Well, especially for for my uses, it's like no matter what, I would uh, unless it's like an extreme scenario, I would never uh, actually like record or uh, uh, encode anything or even edit. To tell you the truth, like on battery, like I'm always going to be plugged in. But it's a laptop, so I still want it mobile. So I still want it, you know, thin and light. Uh, yeah. So yeah. But- Battery is definitely less of an issue if I'm editing, but if I'm doing other stuff on it, then yeah, I still want you know good battery life. Yeah, um, and as far as laptops go, uh, you know, again, there's more than 100 designs coming. Uh, That's a big difference for AMD. Yeah, this, I mean, huge. you know, it's it, it's huge. But so I I think the thing is, we don't have any actual of our own testing. We had hoped to have it by now. The original plans, I'm I'm pretty sure it's okay to say. Would be we would be talking about the actual performance of Ryzen Mobile. Clearly, the circumstances in the world right now have changed that. So hopefully, we'll have numbers soonish. But if we take AMD's numbers at face value, it's it's a serious. I mean, this and people misunderstand this. Last time I said it, but this is a huge deal for AMD because AMD has never beaten Intel in laptops. They've never done that. I know that they have clearly, people have short memories, but they have beat Intel and desktop many times over, two previous Mm -hmm. times at least. So they've sort of had this back and forth, but they have never beaten Intel in in laptops. And this, if people can validate this when they get their laptops in for testing, will be a huge deal for AMD because, what, 65% or more of the world buys laptops. They don't buy desktops. So this yep. will be a huge, huge win, win for AMD. We already know performance win is going to be there. Not necessarily, not necessarily known if the pricing will be there. Probably will be, but the advantage that they have with seven nanometer in H and U class laptops. I didn't even talk about performance in H, but the the game lap, the gaming benchmarks that they showed off were very impressive because they actually had quite a few wins over. Um, Intel based, you know, current ninth gen Core i nine, Core i seven. Their their Ryzen seven is faster than a, than a Core i nine. Yep. Right. And, and then, course, yeah, they announced the new parts, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. The rise. Yeah, they announced the Ryzen nine, and I think the Ryzen nine HS is faster than Core i nine nine ninety eight eighty H. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's what they said. So I, I people do need to sort of understand that some of that is sort of. Dic- very much dictated by the circumstances because uh, if you take a Core i9 and you put it in 8-pound Acer Helios, Predator Helios 700, it's a monster, crazy laptop, or uh, it is going to be really, really fast. I don't think that Ryzen 9 would actually outperform it. Ryzen 9 in the impl- implementations we're seeing today. 
But what AMD's argument really is, is like, look, yeah, and of course, let's rewind that. I, I think AMD doesn't really care about those big, they're, they're being called muscle books now. I don't know who made that up until the video have been using it, but muscle books are something they're not really worried about. It's clear that if AMD wanted to, like, yeah, believe us, we, if we wanted to take over muscle books too, we could. Let's just wait for another day for that, right? But right now, what they're saying with a Core i9, you know, ninth gen laptop, in a typical four to five pound, uh, both content creation and uh, gaming laptop, Ryzen 7 and Ryzen 9 is going to outperform it because their CPU is just simply so much more efficient than that 14 nanometer Core i9, Core i7. And you got to remember in for a laptop, you have fixed thermals. And because their CPU can just save so much in thermals and power, they can outperform a like like five pound laptop versus five pound laptop. They're easily outperforming it, and um, that ASUS G14 with the yep. it has an RTX 2060 Max Q Ryzen 9 HS, and it's yep. three and a half pounds. So, in a 14, 14 inches, three and a half pounds. You never saw that with an Intel chip. Pounds. There's a reason. Yeah, and for their comparison for why they're saying, yeah, this is faster than Core i9 is we use an MSI uh, uh, Crater 17, I said P17, I think. Mm-hmm. It's basically, a, you know, the uh, MSI G75, right, which is a great laptop, awesome to get 17-inch screen, you know, and high-end GPU. It's a nice laptop. It's a very nice laptop, high-end GPU, high-end, but... Um, it's going to throttle compared to an, an, a, a, a six-pound laptop or a seven-pound laptop. The bigger laptop, Core i9, you put in a big, giant laptop, it actually performs decently. But now you've got an eight-pound laptop and a, and a four-pound brick, right? So yep. AMD's argument is like, yeah, we, we got this on H. So I, you know, if I had to bet, there's just – AMD is going to basically win across the board. Against current ninth-gen, Intel, of course – They've already announced their common link H stuff. We'll see what they can get out of it. But I, you know, you can only tell because unlike desktop, you can't test the CPU by itself. It's about the thermals in the laptop. It's about the cooling. It's about the power. You know, it's about the cost. There are so many constraints on, on laptops that you just generally don't see in DIY, especially desktops. And yeah, it's really hard to just review the the chip itself because it really depends on the laptop. Uh, speaking of which, a lot of people are wondering when when are these coming out? Prices? Just to reiterate, Gordon, what what do we know on on those two ends? You know, they're pretty reasonable. I think the the ASUS um, Tough laptop with a twenty sixty and a Ryzen seven. What I think that was like the fifteen hundred dollar price range. That's sort of their lower cost one. I think the G fourteen. You know, it's going to be under two, but probably depends on how you kit it out, right? Whatever you put in there, although I hate that word. I just used it. Uh, <laughs> as far, it, it'll be very, I think AMD understands they are going to be very competitive with, with they, they're going to want to push lower prices because they want to compete with Intel. They, they, they probably want to push the right price to make enough money so their partners can make enough money. And then also there are also limited constraint. They can't like, they can't make 95, you know, 400 million of these chips overnight. They, they have to they have to keep prices reasonable. But everything is everything from Ryzen 9, Ryzen 7. They walked us through all this. Their claims, Ryzen 5, Ryzen 3, all the way down the stack. They're saying we have the performance lead 
across Intel. I mean, and I can see it because even the Ryzen three part, which is going to be in like budget laptops, um, that's going to give you four cores, no hyper threading uh, or SMT versus you know, even an ice lake, even against a core I three ice lake, that's a dual core with, with hyper threading, but you don't really get the highest in graphics, you know, Intel, yeah. Only the the ice lakes with the G seven gives you the the better performing graphics, so they yeah. they think they will have leadership in performance, single threaded, multi threaded, battery life. It's probably going to depend on design, but they should be. It's not going to like that. Really was I think a, a turn off in a lot of those first gen Ryzen's, and again yeah. we saw that with Surface Surface Laptop three, right? That was just like yeah, if you yeah. were to buy that laptop. The Ice Lake one was going to give you better battery life and probably better battery, uh, performance too in most things. So yeah. that will not happen with Surface Laptop Four. I'm making that up with the Ryzen 4000. <laughs> and it's, it's very clear I mean, that everybody's going to build on this chip. Uh, I could- feel like oh, sorry. I'm just going to jump in real quick. I was going to say that I kind of feel like AMD has to make it work, especially in the ultra-thin category, because most people who have an ultra-thin are looking for that battery life. They want something that's portable that's going to last all day. So it's just a huge disadvantage on the battery life, even if they have that massive performance. Yeah. And here's a controversial thing I'm going to say right now, because you know what? You never want to pre-order. You want to wait for reviews. But at this point, I would say... I would not buy an H-class gaming laptop unless I absolutely had to. Because H-class, okay. it's Just all about... Wait. AMD is going to dominate. It's very clear to me. Except we'll see because there are very high-end configurations that you are not seeing with AMD yet. Those are going to come out later. Mm. So right so right now, and this is this came up like, what's up with how come we ain't seeing no um, you know, GeForce 2080 Ti laptops? With uh, or GeForce 2080 laptops with uh, Ryzen, how come all these are 2060, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, well, we a lot, a lot of that limit is because, to be honest, those Ryzen seven, uh, you know, the previous generation, the first gen Ryzen and mobile, nobody wanted to put those into laptops with this very expensive GPU with these very expensive configurations. It wasn't, it didn't really compete with Intel. It, they mm-hmm. essentially, and I know some. AMD fans don't believe this, but they just did not compete, especially in H against Intel. Even putting desktop parts into mobile, they didn't compete. This will change with Ryzen 4000. So I think what it is like, yeah, okay, people are going to want this. And hey, you can actually get this part to us, unlike Intel. So we are going to make 2080 and whatever next generation parts we're going to see from NVIDIA eventually. I would wait, though, at this point to wait because you want to see what we're going to see with AMD. You're going to want to wait to see what you're going to see from NVIDIA. You're going to wait to see how Coffee Lake H performs. Let's let's be honest. Uh, Comet Lake H, there's a chance in Intel, like, hey, we've been saving, we've been stockpiling the very, very best bins of these chips for this day. Yep. Yeah, we think if you push this hard enough, we're not going to get down. I, there's no way. I, and I'm, this is another bold prediction. There's no way they're going to compete, compete down to the four-pound XPS 15 you know, G14, uh, ROG Zephyrus G14 level with mm-hmm. Comet Lake H, I don't think, but you get to bigger sort of muscle books, and I think you're going to be all over it. So yeah. H-Class, I I would really sit down and I would want to wait before I, I buy an H-Class content creation or gaming laptop at this point. Because you've got so many parts coming out, and it's pretty clear that that AMD is just all over this, all over Intel's Core yeah. i9 and Core i7s right now. 
The thing that's uh, interesting to me going through your story. Oh, sorry, Adam. Go ahead. It's no, no, no. Go for it. Interesting thing to me going through your stories because uh, Gordon has three excellent stories on PCWorld.com today where you can go dive deep into all this stuff. Is there is a slide that compares the 35 watt 40 Ryzen 9 4900HS against the Intel Core i9 9800H, the 45 watt one. And the 35 watt H part from Ryzen is beating the full fledged Core i9 part by. 28%, 23%, 56%, 32% uh, in creativity tasks and multi-thread tasks. That's that's big. Can you imagine what the full-fledged 45-watt H part from Ryzen will do compared right. to the Nike? <laughs> and, you know, these are all – and for, uh, people need to understand this is very much like desktop. It's the same chip. So they basically mm-hmm. take the exact same – it's a you know, single, single, single die – and they put it into both uh, Ultrabooks and they put it into H-Class laptops. And they basically say OEMs can basically run away with whatever they think their platform can handle. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of very advanced thermal um, <clears throat> stuff that AMD has integrated into this that to improve boost, to improve longer-term boost, all kinds of stuff. Very similar to what Intel has uh, in some of its chips. But uh, ultimately, the problem is 14 nanometer versus seven nanometer same thing on desktop and for desktop i i would be fine arguing it efficiency doesn't matter that much for most people um because yep. a lot of people don't care on desktop you're going to overclock the thing anyway what are you even thinking about efficiency right and yep. you're going to be running this with a, a you know video card that will be using 250 watts on a laptop that is a huge difference so they what the, what uh, i was actually surprised by looking at a lot of the the gaming uh, performance where they compared uh, a where is this where they're basically comparing a Ryzen 9 4900HS uh, uh, with an RTX 2060 against a uh, what is this oh, dang it well it's basically compared against a like configured Intel laptop and they actually have a decent performance increase i can't find out there's so many slides here i've sort of lost it but i was actually surprised that they had you know double digit you know sometimes you know sometimes five percent sometimes twenty percent improvement in a lot of triple a titles and also esports titles and i was the shocker there is you because you sort of think like huh intel still no matter what still has really really high clock speeds right those those yep. those single those single threaded you know low 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 clocks low thread loads they always have those higher clocks they're always up in that four gigahertz range but and that's on desktop and they do really well in laptop but i think one of the issues is um you you put a gpu you put a cpu in there and you're now dealing with both and gaming loads up both to a reasonable amount and you sort of eventually you run out of you run out of thermal uh, you you hit that headroom with your thermal budget and the, the CPU starts clocking down. That's what a lot of laptops do. So they they know yep. for gaming we're going to keep the GPU at max speed. We're going to clock the CPU down. And AMD basically because of the efficiency from that Ryzen four thousand part, it's just we have more we just more have more headroom personally. And there's yes. also some stuff that they're doing. I didn't even talk about the PowerShare stuff that they're doing, although that is only for Radeon. Mm-hmm. But the PowerShare is basically uh, where they have the CPU that has the integrated graphics that can talk to a Radeon part. 
It's uh, through Infinity Fabric, and basically they also have diodes placed throughout the laptop. And the CPU intelligently looks at, and it's all built into the, the uh, firmware on the music firmware controller on the C, on the CPU, and it basically looks at the load. And so you know this is gaming. Let's you know let's if this is if you're doing uh, more CPU centric stuff, we're going to crank the CPU up. If you're doing more gaming stuff, we're going to crank the the, the GPU up and you know they, they talk a little bit about this at CES. They're basically saying what ten uh, percent in Cinebench and maybe twelve percent in the Division. So they're yep. getting a decent you know a decent amount of performance even from using a, a you know a Radeon fifty six hundred. That's it's a smart way for them. They're the only company that has CPUs and GPUs right now. Intel's gonna hopefully be hopping into that later this year, but this is a really smart way. For them to leverage that strength of theirs. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what we saw with KB Lake, because that was one of the things that Intel really said is like KB Lake G, which is a combination mm-hmm. of Radeon with a KB Lake, you know, quad core CPU. They had full control over it, and they said like we can look at the the load for the GPU, and we can now clock back the GPU if it's not a load. You know, we we have full control yep. over the thermal budget, so we we have a better idea of how hard to put it, push it. They, they've said that it's very difficult to do that with discrete parts because it's like, well, NVIDIA, certainly NVIDIA could relay that information to you as well. But I, but it's very similar to what they did with KB Lake G, but this is AMD's implementation. They wouldn't say whether it's related to that or not, but obviously they're going to get a very decent uh, amount of performance uplift from it. Yep. Uh, Gordon, we have some, some questions if you want to yeah, get yeah. to them. Uh, well, uh, this first one was not a question, but I'm going to make it a question. Probably one that Elaine is going to like. Uh, Night Sentinel uh, is asking about: uh, are, are we going to see any of these Ryzen 4000 APUs in a Nook? Have you seen anything anything announced uh, that might be interesting? Uh, they haven't um, shown anything off. AMD got that question as well during the um, briefings, and they're like, "Yeah, clearly, we're not talking about anything." I, you can't imagine that this part would not eventually make its way into you know mini into a mini form factor box it will happen it's just a matter of mm-hmm. you know those they're going to make a lot more money off laptops so it's and it's probably up to the vendors right so like if zotac who's a classic mini pc maker comes and says hey yep give us twenty five thousand of these they're not going to put them in laptops they're going to put them into <laughs> some form factor boxes so they would not comment clearly it's going to happen oh and as far as availability the lenovo slim 7 which is a U part, a core, is on sale today, I believe. I think that's kind of what is forcing AMD's hand in announcing it now, despite all the stuff happening. Is oh yeah, you can't not have it announced if people are going to start selling it. And the Lenovo wants to sell these things. So yep. Okay, uh, Dennis, a Siberian friend of the show, has uh, two questions. One: uh, Will those machines support Thunderbolt in any form? Does it really matter with the current state of eGPUs? Well, uh, I will say it does not. It does not support it. I was trying to get clarification on that. Um, none of the designs that we are going to see at launch will have it. They will have, they talked about this cool connector called USB-C and how they're doing multiple 4K panels over their connector for display. Pretty awesome. I mean, uh, for eGPU, though, there is no Thunderbolt 3 support um, yet. Why that's happening is not really clear I will say I've had conversations with many people in the industry about it. I'm still working on a story about it, but I don't, I do will say some people say, yeah, you will see it later this year. So 
some people say, no, you won't because somebody's being mean. And some people say, no, this is just hard. Let's just say it's hard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and eGPU is something. Uh, and this is, I'm, I'd like to ask you this, Adam, because I, I think, honestly, if I were Intel, I would be like, hey, you got this, you know, little old U-class, you know, laptop, you, eGPU with Thunderbolt, you can, you can have a real gaming system for not much money, right? I would just ram that down AMD's throat because they just don't have them ready now. I think that's one feature that you're getting in almost every single, you know, high-end Intel laptop. It's a great because mm-hmm. when your gaming laptop reaches end of life on its GPU, you just go to external GPUs to get something out of it. But, you know, it's funny because I, I keep asking because I think people have asked me, it's like, Gordon, what do you think eGPU? I'm like, for me, it's really hard not to recommend this feature in a laptop, right? It's like, it really just feels like I would, I was like, yeah, it's very important to me. But then I've gone out and talked to other people who I do respect and they're like, you're high, man. Like, nobody <laughs> wants this. I, I've talked to enough people, like, I'm like, I've really started to think, like, maybe I'm just simply wrong on this. People are like, you're crazy. Nobody cares about eGPU. And everybody says, like, their reaction is like, you're nuts. Like, my reaction is like, you don't have eGPU. It's sort of like, you really need to weigh, like, are you ever going to care about playing games on this laptop? If you don't, don't worry about it. But if you think you might, you're going to want Thunderbolt 3 with eGPU. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously my... My take and, and path on the CGPU stuff is still rolling out, but yeah, there there is that other uh, separate part of it of people who have the the thin and lights, the the Spectre, you know, X three sixties or something who can plug into an eGPU, get powered off the eGPU, and use that that for gaming, which they couldn't do any game at all. That's kind of different than having a you know a laptop that does have a dedicated graphics card, but you're overriding it for you know a desktop class card. I, I think it's it's a viable thing for for plenty of people. But a uh, quick note, a uh, friend of the show, Vignesh, says that uh, that Lenovo has confirmed uh, Thunderbolt for a ThinkPad lineup. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'll believe it when I see it is what I have to say because the, f- the fact that you're just – I just finally now got a Thunderbolt 3 motherboard mm-hmm. for AM4. Uh, I, it's, I mean, I think – Again, there's really sort of like it's one of those things. It's not uh, for the Thunderbolt 3 conversation. Uh, I had this. This is a really good point because a lot of people, the conspiracy theory is, and I, I will admit I'm, I buy into part of it, is that you are not seeing Thunderbolt 3 on AMD because Intel is trying to keep this out of AMD's hands, right? They don't, they understand it's a, it's a, it's a useful feature. They're being mean and not giving it to AMD. But I had this conversation with someone. Let's just say, it's like, look, Intel has always on IO. They they've essentially used. They've released it to all. They've given it to the community to to enable, um, just to enable everybody. I know people don't give Intel credit for this, but USB, USB three, PCIe, NVMe, all this stuff that really has been Intel's work with also partners. But Intel drives a lot of it. They pay for a lot of it. With Thunderbolt 3, they make money off of this chip. Remember, because Thunderbolt 3 is open, but they have the parts that they can sell you. Intel likes to make money. It's like Intel's like, hey, we sell AMD Wi-Fi chips. 
All the Wi-Fi 6 laptops that you're going to see from AMD, these things are going to be based on our wireless chips, right? We just want to make money. What in the world is, how does it benefit Intel to not sell you these chips, right? It's actually a benefit to to Intel and it's a benefit to AMD. But it definitely Uh, is a lot of work. Well, and uh, uh, Karen Vora is asking, uh, isn't Thunderbolt 3 declared open source? Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> so I, but if, if you're also, if you're a, if you're a laptop OEM, ODM, or if you're AMD, it's like, do we go, do we buy this thing from Intel or do we wait for the USB 4 implementation of it where you yep. can basically say, we're going to give you, you can have Thunderbolt 3 um, compatibility if the vendor decides to support it and they go through the certification through the USB IF. If our AMD is like, look, let's get these laptops out now and sell them. Let's not get caught up in this whole, like, you know, two months worth of certification and dealing with this. Let's just get these things out. Right. It's, so I, I think Ignace, that's good. The Ignace was right, though. I'm looking. Uh, Lenovo announced some ThinkPads last month that come with last gen, so third gen AMD Ryzen chips, but also have Thunderbolt. Yeah. I'll believe it when yeah. I see it. <laughs> there was, I, and I will say this because there was a story on, uh, on another news site that like, oh my God, this brand new laptop has Thunderbolt 3. And then the vendor had to go, and then they had to go back and correct their story because the vendor basically, they didn't Copy list. Copy and pasted. They, they didn't actually list Thunderbolt 3 as a spec. They had left it in the picture and people saw the Thunderbolt logo on the port. They jumped to conclusions and then it's like, no, it does, this laptop, there was an HP laptop, does not support Thunderbolt 3. We just use the same picture because, let's face it, same chassis, same exterior. It does not have Thunderbolt 3. Let's see. Maybe they have gone through it. Uh, but again, you know, this, it's a last-gen part, right? Yep. So you yep. send these things in. It goes through all the work. finally comes out. You're going to want the Ryzen 4000 with Thunderbolt 3. And I just think it's kind of one of the things where it may fall into a time like let's just let's just do USB four. So, but again, I will say a vendor told me you will see Thunderbolt three on Ryzen four thousand laptops later this year. So, then okay. not Lenovo. Let's say that. Uh, another great question from uh, from Dennis: uh, Is there any confirmed info about how PCIe lanes are dedicated to the mobile CPU and to the DGPU? Is it four lanes? Uh... Well, so remember, it's the exact same. Unfortunately, they don't have a traditional block map. Uh, and among the questions I did not ask was how many lanes, but there is a uh, there's a there's a breakdown and see, like they say, they're one war APU. It should be should be the CPU. You basically get there is PCIe discrete graphics and there's two NVMe. They basically said they took the previous platform and they added additional four lanes of NVMe. So remember, this part is going into, the exact same part is going into H laptops. I'm pretty sure they're not going to be putting a, um, a by 4 PCIe into a gaming laptop. I, I'm going to suspect it's a full by 16 Gen 3. Gen 4 uses too much power, plus two more Gen 4 ports, plus USB-C, and then there's also some PCIe to the going to other parts. They don't say how many, though. Okay. It's probably uh, configurable. We just, got, uh, we just got a $5 super chat from Anthony Ekstrom. Thank you. Thank you. It says, uh, eGPU is a choice I'm considering instead of updating my Ryzen first-gen system. I bought a MacBook Pro 16 for programming. It's got the good keyboard. 
<laughs> good keyboard. Yeah, yeah no, and, and it's really I. I like my belief uh, for the many people I've talked to. I'm like my opinion is you have to have Thunderbolt three, or at least you don't have to have Thunderbolt three, but you you really have to have a feature I would want would be external graphics, external PCIe, because it just kind of yeah. kills me to like, oh, your GPU is stale, it's over, you know. But I mean, I I the reaction I had just like no, I mean nobody wants this, Gordon. Nobody's nobody's using it. Nobody's buying this. We asked. Uh, 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 John Petty for just numbers they're mm-hmm. like yeah uh, it's probably I don't know 10,000 have bought these things it's just like nobody's buying these things the actual number is so tiny wow it's, it was just sort of like I mean is there sort of thing is nobody really tracks it but it's just a guesstimate mm-hmm. of analysts and people in the industry they think nobody nobody cares about this feature but I think it's the coolest what? feature ever ever since to give credit Alienware had the amplifier um, yeah. and then you had Thunderbolt 3 I mean this 7th gen HP laptop from 2017 supports eGPU. I plugged in a GeForce Titan next to it, you know, three or four years. <laughs> and, and a, another thing to consider is uh, eGPUs are relatively new. Like, they've only been around for a year or two, right? So, and, and these laptops that support have only really been coming into vogue in the last couple of years, even though Thunderbolt 3 has been around for a while. So I think that it might be of a longer tail kind of technology. Like, when you're, like, if you bought a laptop that's a gaming laptop that also supports it, you're not going to go out and buy that eGPU until your current graphics chip is dead. So, or not dead, but useless. So, it, 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 I'm not surprised to see lower adoption numbers up front. To me, that seems like more of a lo- preparing for the long-term kind of technology. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I, there is a lot of resistance to it because people just think, well, just go out and build desktop. Because their feeling is like, if you're running eGPU now, what's your, where's your mobility play? And that was I got into Twitter fights with people over that because I'm like the amplifier thing is awesome, right? This is yep. awesome feature. Like well, this is just stupid because now you've turned your laptop into desktop. It's awesome for now in 2020. Your 2017 Broadwell, you know, dual core Alienware 15 with a you know mm-hmm. G, uh, GTX 970M. That thing is looking really stale today. Now you, yep. you you buy an amplifier for 160 bucks on Amazon. You could put in RTX in there and you're, you're good to go, right? As opposed to having to buy a whole new gaming PC, laptop, and those things don't come cheap. <laughs> nope. Right. It's just not mobile. So, I mean, yeah. at, least, at least it's better than nothing, is my thought. Yeah, you can't bring a laptop with you to work. I totally understand the premise of eGPU. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. But maybe it's not as important as, I don't know, maybe it's just our perspective, you know. Uh, somebody has a, uh, a naming uh, clarification. Uh, Paul Conley saying, uh, "Sorry, but are are these Ryzen four thousand parts actually Ryzen third gen? Can you help with the the naming scheme a little bit?" Yeah, <laughs> so they're essentially the same Zen two cores that went into the third gen desktop parts, the Ryzen three thousand parts. Uh, so yes, they are um, Zen two cores. It is a seven nanometer Vega. Let's let's make sure people understand this. It is a, it is not, it is not your uncle, uncle's old Vega. This is a seven nanometer. They're basically saying they got 59% performance boost over previous Vega cores because a lot of it, um, a lot of it because seven nanometer, also part of it because they moved to, you know, uh, LPDDR4X. And also there are architectural, architectural improvements to get to 59% performance over previous 3000 parts. Uh, so they are not third. There's not Zen three inside. 
I think that is very much what we have seen all the vendors do because it is a marketing. Um, they did it for marketing reasons because you, although they can argue that, look, it's got seven nanometer Vega. It's got all this kind of newness. It's got all these new power saving screens, uh, scenes. It's got all this new boost technology and all this stuff. We think that's fully worthy of 4,000, right? Yep. Uh, I think the main reason is you're going to see Ryzen 4,000 laptops at the same time when we see Ryzen 4,000 desktops later this year. So laptops don't cycle in and out quite as fast as desktops. So I think who wants to buy a Ryzen 3,000 laptop when they're pushing Ryzen 4,000 laptop very well? So Intel, NVIDIA, AMD, every single company pushes these kind of marketing you know, schemas. Lame. That's uh, not lame. I understand it. <laughs> uh, Dennis has a one last PCIe question. Uh, are those CPU? Do the CPUs in the laptops support PCI three or PCI four? I believe they are PCI three. PCI four would be too much of a power hog, essentially. With all the yeah, they're PCI three. I, I you know I I would imagine otherwise I would have seen PCI four everywhere, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that was explained to me verbally at CES, but it's hard for me to remember anything from back then. So, if it was PCI four, I think they'd be shouting about it too, because then you could put those PCI four SSDs in there. So, <clears throat> yeah, but so I mean, but it's about power. It's about laptops are about battery yeah. life, and you yeah. know if you have a fixed power budget, and besides that, hey, PCI four. Now we've got more power hungry PCI four on the SOC. Now you have a more power-hungry M.2 drive that's PCIe 4. And, you know, those, there's a reason those PCIe 4 M.2s came with those big, huge honking heat sinks. Yeah. You put a PCIe 4 M.2 in a really small and thin laptop, and you're going you're gonna to eat some of your power budget. You know, so it'll probably eventually get better. But although here, so earlier I said, I think if you're going to buy an H-Class gaming laptop, content creation laptop, you, you best wait unless you absolutely have to buy something. But I think for power, interestingly, I'd like to hear your opinions on this. I think when you get to U-class laptops, I'm not so clear-cut it's a win, necessarily. Um, because, In what way? Well, because, well, it's not a win because I, I will say it's clear that they're going to win. They're going to beat down Ice Lake and Comet Lake U in uh, multi-threaded, single-threaded. Mostly a beatdown. Could be somewhat competitive with Comet Lake, but they're saying no, it's a beatdown. Uh, so, and then graphics, of course, they're giving, they're basically saying, hey, you don't have to choose weird, this weird thing with Comet Lake U, where you've got six cores, lousy graphics, Intel graphics, Intel, they don't even call it, they give it a number anymore, it's not Intel UHD, <laughs> or you can have Ice Lake, which limits you to quad core with, you know, at the top end with a G7 Iris graphics, best thing, but you not are limited to quad core. Hey, our Ryzen 7 U parts give you eight cores same platform with faster graphics too so we get you best of both worlds we're going to give you better cp performance better graphics performance yep so it's a total b and it looks like very competitive very competitive with battery life but here's my argument and i'm i'm not sure it's going to wash i do want to hear your opinions on this who cares there's going to be a segment of people like do you really care do you care about performance in a sub three pound laptop like this is that going to be your main motivator? It wouldn't be my main motivator. It's going to come down to the packaging and the the laptop itself. I would think if I was in the market for something like that. That being said, if I know that 
there are two laptops, one running an Intel chip, one running a Ryzen chip, and the Ryzen one is faster. Everything else comparable, I mean, I would opt for the faster one 100% of the time. What about you but, and Adam? Wait, 100% of the time? <laughs> Depending on price. Mm, that's fair. Yeah, uh-huh. I think, so for me, I would say that I think it's um, it's a nice to have sort of thing, but I also think that depending on your use case, then it's that's what's going to decide it. Because let's just say, let's just say that um, AMD doesn't have superior battery battery life. Maybe it's like even just a little bit under. That's that's where I'm tracking on this. Um, and if that's the case, then someone might really value that battery life to the point where if they're looking for a sub-three-pound laptop, they're probably looking more for portability and battery life than they are performance. But if it was me personally, I probably would opt for performance just because it's nice to have. But again, it's just all about priorities, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, no, of course, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contradict myself because here's, here's the interesting thing. <laughs> Classic. And then here's why I, I bring Adam into the conversation. So... And, I, and, you know, this has been the argument from Intel for many months now. Why are you running Cinebench? Nobody's running Cinebench on their quad-core Ultrabook, right? Ain't no one doing that. This is ridiculous. What if you could actually do 3D modeling in your Ultrabook? What if you really could do a fair amount? It's not going to be faster than a five- or six-pound gaming or content creation laptop or four-pound one. But what if you now, in your 2.8-pound laptop, get eight cores, decent graphics, acceleration, and you actually could do, you know, slower, compromised, but still do it where it's not going to kill you. Would that change your mind, though? Because if Ryzen U lets you actually sort of do these chores, which you were going, oh, no, I, I need a I need a 15-inch class laptop, an XPS 15, I need a MacBook Pro 15. What if you could do it in a smaller laptop? Would you? Would that change your mind, Adam? This because this brings up another conversation we had, but that's yeah, we'll this save is that for a conversation later. we had. Yeah, yeah, we can always get into that. People are really chomping in the bit for Xbox Series X. Okay, I'll let you know. Uh, but I will say, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that tilt, right? You know, I personally need plenty of performance, but also I do care about something that that's thin and light. But you know, is it worth it to give up more performance to go from four pounds to three pounds? Uh, I mean, it's it's a definitely a big difference going from like six pounds to four pounds. Yes, I'm I'm willing to give some up, but from four pounds to three pounds or even under that, I you know that's there's there's definitely a sweet spot in there for me, and I'm not I don't think I would give up that extra pound just for you know uh, loss of performance um, personally. Really, so. even when you're even when you're in your backpack, you now have 25 pounds of gear lenses. Video bodies, laptop. You like I don't know. When they walk around CES after that fifth hour, I'm like I'm ready to just throw this in the garbage can. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. At that point, it, even even a two pound laptop right against your back for eight hours is still you know <laughs> killing you. So <laughs> there's not really you know you're not getting anything. I'd rather have the power then. <laughs> okay. So I, however, after all the speculation, am going to say. Still wait for benchmarks. Yeah, no, no. I mean, clearly you have to wait for benchmarks. Agreed. I mean, I and it is a little disappointing. We're talking about this because we don't have hard numbers, but you know, all indications it looks pretty are pretty good. It's yeah. I mean, for the last 
two and a half, three years, has AMD disappointed us on this stuff? Except for that 1080p gaming thing. That was rough out of the gate, but... That's the thing that burns me still, because I remember a lot of people got pissed at me for first-gen Ryzen when I did an article where it wound up being, you know, the Ryzen 7 1800X versus a five-year-old 3570K PC. There was virtually no difference in gaming performance. So... I always wait for benchmarks, and I always advocate waiting for benchmarks because the original Ryzen kicked butt if you needed productivity or multitasking, but it wasn't better at gaming tasks. So we all have, you know, little segments that we're trying to fill and performance that we're trying to hit in certain things, and you never know until it's actually tested in the real world. Yeah, and I agree with you because laptops are <laughs> not the same as DIY. You, you were, there's a lot more fashion with laptops. There's a lot more personalization. Yeah. You're going to want the right panel with the right keyboard and the right trackpad and the right color and the right finish and the yep. right shape power brick in the laptop that you want with the right CPU. So you're going to have to wait for the one you want to, right? Yep. Yep. Speaking of power bricks, Xbox Series X looks like one. Oh. <laughs> Transition. <Wait>. Yeah, let's, <laughs> so I, I want to tell you, um, I have oh, not no. paid attention to Xbox Series 1 uh, something that closely but you have my rapt attention so please talk about uh xbox series one right now okay so today <laughs> uh, oh, oh yeah <laughs> so today Classic. he's going to the my, rest microsoft uh unveiled the full specs for the xbox one series x360 uh there actually wasn't a whole lot of stuff that we didn't already know or could discern from what they've teased before, but it is nice to see a lot of firm final speeds and feeds as far as how it relates to PC gaming. Uh, this thing looks freaking ridiculous. Uh, glad Gordon walked away because the headline for my piece was actually <laughs> the Xbox Series X probably puts your gaming PC to shame because it probably does. Uh, but to channel my inner Gordon, that's always the case with new next-gen consoles. So they'll usually put uh, a mid-range gaming PC to shame. So there's nothing new there. But what's really, really cool is, as I've said before, this marks a new baseline for game developers to target, new level of hardware. So having powerful gaming consoles is good for PC gamers too. And the Xbox Series X, we always knew it was going to have a Ryzen CPU, which that by itself was going to be great. They hadn't said how fast, how many cores this Ryzen CPU is going to be. The specs today, they, they pulled them off. Uh, they, they pulled them off. They showed them. Uh, it's going to be a full 8-core, 16-thread Ryzen chip uh, running at a locked 3.8 gigahertz all the time. If it's not using hyper-threading, or if you want to use hyper-threading, it'll be a little bit slower at 3.6 gigahertz. But... So that's roughly the same baseline level of performance as the 2700X was, or the 3600X, or the 2600X last generation. So that's a great modern chip, going to be 8 cores, 16 threads right in the gaming console. It's ridiculous. It's crazy, because just a couple of years ago, we were quad-core in gaming PCs. Well, and it was definitely interesting to read the Digital Foundry uh, write-up, which uh, was really good. You should definitely go check it out by uh, Richard Ledbetter. Um, anyway, he's uh, uh, he was talking with the devs because they went up to, to Microsoft and Redmond to talk with them and how some of them are going to uh, hit each 
uh, version depending on what they wanted. Like uh, mm-hmm. some things they'll they'll target just hey you know what we're gonna go the eight cores with the higher clocks or you know some are, are gonna. Uh, want the the hyper threading, which it was kind of interesting. As somebody who doesn't know anything about game develop it, it, development, it's it's interesting to hear kind of behind the scenes of that. Yeah, so that's actually I think it's really cool that they're doing that. One that they're talking to Digital Foundry and letting experts, independent experts, talk good, about. Good they're people just like talk here, to. Yeah, here here's our stuff. You tell people about it. I think that's cool. But I think it's cool that they're letting developers choose between straight physical cores or hyper threading. Because if you disable hyperthread, you can get the higher single thread performance, which is great for a whole lot of games. A whole lot of games, you know, rely on single thread performance. But there are games like open world games love hyperthreading. So it's really great to see them offer that, you know, that mix. Of, they can do whatever they want. Uh, I also think it's really cool that they're adopting a one terabyte NVMe solid state drive as standard. One terabyte, uh, yeah. Well, at, at least for this version, right? Because this, yeah. you know, the the rumors are that there's two separate ones, but the one they showed off had one terabyte. I mean, that's 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 pricey, right? That's not cheap. No, that's not. <laughs> this people. The more that I look at these, than it used to be. The more that I see these specs, the more and more I doubt it's even going to be six hundred. I'm thinking more like seven hundred dollars for this thing. This thing's going to be. At least, it, like I can't see if they do this for six hundred bucks, it's going to be ridiculous. So it comes with a one terabyte NVMe solid state drive, uh, and there's going to be a proprietary expansion slot you can use to double that if you want with a card, or it'll support standard hard drive connected over USB three point two, just like the one X does. Yeah, one X. Sorry, there's way too many Xboxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So again, that's great because, you know, when people are making these open world games and, you know, programming loading times and stuff like that, they're going to have solid state drives to target for us. Right now, the current consoles all ship with, like, the crappiest possible slowing, spinning hard drives. So it really holds things back. And also uh, the, the expandable storage was really interesting. I... I I, I didn't get to, to read too deep into it, but uh, I know there was rumors of that, that extra little slot on the back ended up being a, a proprietary NVMe, yeah. like like a, a hot swap, not hot swappable, but um, uh, expandable. You can plug it in. Yeah, so yeah. basically, if you want to double the one terabyte NVMe storage, you buy that one terabyte expansion card and plug it into the proprietary slot. So Yeah, and it's, you, it's you know, in the hand, it looked like uh, about that big. It was really interesting. I mean, I... I haven't seen anything like that on the PC. No. Like, you know, yeah, that's that seems really cool to be able to be like, hey, you know what, I'm going to plug it in, you know, maybe take it somewhere, plug it into my Xbox at work or something. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't as enthusiastic about that part because anytime you say proprietary, it just closes it up. I, I really, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's more expensive that way, right? I would have been much happier if they had just like an extra slot. You know, kind of like the way the PlayStation 4 allowed you to have access to the internal slot kind of thing, but then it would just be a second one, because mm-hmm. that would make it much more standardized, much more like the PC, where you just have, like, say, two M.2 slots. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of a bummer. I don't think it's that difficult. And maybe it has to do with the sizing and the layout, and that's they've gone to that vertical design. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish they had kept... Um, I mean, I don't need it to be this kind of monolith on my you know, entertainment center, if I meant that I just actually had a regular slot for another M.2 drive, or if that seems too intimidating for people, a standard SATA SSD 2.5-inch drive. I, th- I think they're doing a lot of weird, funky things that don't 
you know, track directly to PC equivalents with it. I think that's why they did it. Uh, in order to speed up, I mean, if you go read the Xbox post, it's freaking massive. If you go read the Digital Foundry uh, deep dive into it, it's even more massive. I highly recommend anybody who's interested do both, actually. Uh, but I don't mind the fact that it's proprietary that much, because if they are working some kind of special magic that you can't accomplish with standardized PCs, because like we talked about last week, you know, a lot of these interfaces are so old at this point, a lot of these standards. They're doing something special to make these even faster. I'm fine with them having an expansion slot that's proprietary because they're also still supporting USB 3.2-based hard drive expansion. So you can still plug in your normal hard drive to it or your normal external SSD. So Yeah, that definitely would have been different if they had been like, yeah. hey, this is your only option, kind of like Sony yeah. did with like... That's fair. You know, is it that's a- how I... It. Is it a hot swap? Oh, he's back. Oh, I've been hey. back. Oh, I have You're interested. Uh, You're interested check out, now, I got huh? this Xbox here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Showing here off. Here we go. Showing off. He's got a joke for us. <laughs> oh, there we go. Hey, there we go. That's a good... That's a W box. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a W box. I like it. <laughs> this is a Falcon Northwest uh, Xbox uh, Series 1X, 64 cores, 128 gigs. Yeah, uh, two uh, twenty eighty. Yeah, that definitely give me seven hundred dollars, right, Brad? No, yeah. check this out though. Yeah. They like they like you know what? We don't know what you want. <laughs> I it's like you know what? Wayland Yutani would be awesome for <laughs> Aliens fans. <laughs> yeah, check that. I love it. Actually, wait, wait, check this out. It's awesome. Uh, uh, uh. Here's the reveal. <laughs> I love how how when we bring up consoles, Gordon can't not try to bring it back to something. I'm not. No, I'm I'm not. I'm just. This is. Look at that. Uh-huh. That that is just like. Yeah, that's awesome. That is insane. Insane. Falcon Northwest does great artwork, custom artwork, just in general. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So anyway, my headline says that Xbox Series X will probably put your gaming PC to shame. Not that one. Not that one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I will say, though, Elena, I know I'm the world's biggest console hater just because I like trolling because of, you know, past wars, past wars. (laughs) You know, I've realized that I'm... I wonder if this is, you know, my, I do think they have sort of, it's not going to be that different from the PlayStation performance, it feels like. Maybe that's what I originally said. I don't know. I, I am actually I not so sure. Difference. No, I think I, that, I think that Xbox is this Xbox, whatever it is, series something is, yeah. it may just really just put the PS4 like, down. I mean, I, wait, play, PlayStation Four or PlayStation Five? Oh, whatever the new one is. I can't. I've lost. <laughs> PlayStation, PlayStation Five. five. No, I think PS Five. I think this thing is. It's very interesting that it's gonna. I think it's gonna really just. It's gonna I, put PS Five. I don't. I mean, it's not because remember you still have a fixed amount of GPU and 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 CPU that you can buy from AMD with your budget. But the amount of engineering and custom work that I think they put into this really is going to make it's really going to make like PS5 look like. So here, here's the thing, though, that I I don't I think that would be a very interesting world from a performance perspective. But I think given the history that they have coming off of the very disastrous Xbox One launch, and they were $100 more than PlayStation and console gamers are very sensitive to price, I don't know if that's going to be a good strategy for them. Because I, if they have that much more performance in a PlayStation 5, I can't see them being close in price. 
Now, if they if they were like, let's say that they come out on whatever digital show they have and they say, here's all the specs. Here's the kind of performance you can expect. And yeah, it actually is going to be six hundred dollars. So have fun. No, I'm saying if they actually said six hundred dollars, if they said six hundred dollars, they're taking a loss on the hardware because they want to get back in the uh, mindshare again and sony comes out and says well yeah ours is six hundred dollars too but we have less performance then yeah okay that'll be fine i don't think that's how it would go if there's that much of a discrepancy in performance and i think that would hurt microsoft because they still have that hanging as a cloud over their head from 2013 well but you know i I, I will also say they're probably going to keep around the xbox one x as well you know and be like hey you know what you uh, They've already talked about backwards compatibility. A lot of these games will will keep running on the older systems as well. I could easily see them taking an approach of like, hey, you know what? We have low end, we have mid range, we have high end. We're just giving more options now. I wouldn't be surprised. The name is going to be the key. Series X, I expect we'll also see a Series S that probably matches the PlayStation 5's more humble specs. And it's priced at the same price same level i think the xbox series x is gonna just be a chart like we're not this looking at the specs for this thing there's no way this thing's gonna be anywhere close to traditional console pricing and only oh sorry go ahead i think that's why it's series x i think we're gonna see a series s if you look at leaks adore tv did a good video recently actually going over an older leak for console specs uh and they nailed the xbox series x in that leak uh, but at the same time, they also put out what they were seeing for the PlayStation 5. And it was considered, like, I think it was 36 compute units, whereas the Xbox Series X has 52. So that'd be a massive difference. If that winds up being true again, that would be insane. <laughs> that would be such a huge difference in performance between the two. And the price in Gulf would be way too big. And I would expect there to be a Series S also at launch. But they're not talking that up because that's not exciting. Yeah. Right. I also think if they did that, though, Brad, they would have to do some kind of hardware refresh to make it more current because it, it's too much of a gap. Like, you've been wanting forever to see those Jaguar cores, like, spaced, right? Mm-hmm. Just shot right out an airlock. And they did that. So I kind of feel like if you had this kind of, like, entry-level, mid-tier, high-end tier that Adam's talking mm-hmm. about, you can't have this huge delta between here's eight cores, 16 threads, you know, Zen 2... And then, you know, how many years is it now? Nine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ten? Yep. I would expect Four? it to, uh, I would expect may- maybe just to be straight eight cores. Or I would expect it, to, if there is a Series S, to still be Ryzen-based. Drastically, maybe go from 52 compute units to close to matching whatever Sony has. You know, probably wouldn't have the fancy NVMe drive. Just stick to a standard solid-state drive. That kind of thing. So they could bring the price down. <laughs> But or I think it's in- introduce one without a disc and uh, it hooks up to yeah. xCloud. Yeah. <laughs> that Thank probably, you. well, I wouldn't be surprised that. <laughs> but, but just to put this in even more perspective, bringing it back to the PC side of things, um, so the graphics chip has 52 compute units based on next-gen RDNA 2 graphics from AMD. Uh, for comparison, right now, AMD's flagship Navi first-gen RDNA 1 chip is the $400 Radeon RX 5700 XT. It has 40 compute units compared to the Xbox Series X's 52 compute units, and it runs at a typical game clock speed of 1.75 
gigahertz as opposed to 1.825 gigahertz for the Xbox Series X. So the Xbox Series X graphics chip is bigger and faster than the Radeon RX 5700 XT. And that's just, that's just wild. <laughs> I, yeah, but I, it just, it feels like this will actually crush PS, PS5, right? Yeah. PlayStation 5. If, it's just like, it play, unless PlayStation is just being quiet and being, you know, just mm-hmm. letting Microsoft talk a bunch, and then pull out something similar, but I'm getting the feeling that's not the case. Yeah. I, I cause I, I, when I think back, sorry, I, I just want to mention, could I think back to 2013, where I mean, really, again, that's why I think it was, consoles are so boring because PS5 was essentially three percent faster, four percent faster than Xbox One X, right? Or whatever the original Xbox, whatever that, pre- whatever that generation. I can't keep. Who could? I, but I'm just saying they were like so essentially the same. Who who cares? What are you arguing about? And I, but the thing is, people beat Xbox over the head, saying you suck. Because you know what? We can run 1080p in five games, and you can only run it in three games. You remember that whole argument from PS5 or PS4 versus yep. Xbox fans? And I, I always felt like after that, like it, it, that the next one, Microsoft is going to come out, and they're going to come out swinging. Right? Yep. It's just like, because, you know, why, why? You know, they got beat up so badly over really an immaterial performance difference. It was immaterial. But people still argue about it. PS4 arguably won that war, the mindshare, because they were faster. It was 5%, but people still argue about it. It feels like this time, like, yeah, try it this time. No, this time they're going to, like, punch Sony really hard with this, and then, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it feels like, I don't know what PS5 is going to do at this point. Uh, side note, I will say sorry for all the uh, spam bots in the chat. We're, I guess, our, we're, we're so popular, we're getting a lot of spam, and I'm yeah. trying to clamp down on it. <laughs> um, but uh, to kind of get away from what Gordon's saying, because I, <laughs> I know where he's going with this. Uh, no, the, I'm not. I'm not going. There is that. one feature that I uh, that I did read about. Well, actually, first I'll, I'll say something on the the GPU side. Um, Richard, who, you know, he, he knows uh, a lot of this performance stuff. Uh, I definitely trust his opinion. He said he was, uh, when he sat down to see a demo of Gears 5, uh, that they were running the, uh, you know, the, the Xbox Series X. They, they had pushed it up to uh, settings that, that they would have seen on an equivalent 2080. Uh, so, you know, like, it's definitely definitely powerful in there. Um they actually they they say the performance target is 4K 60 up to 120 FPS 60 and they, that same article you're talking about they said Gears 5 was running at a lock 60 at 4K yeah which yeah and like with everything on PC like ultra settings I think is what they said uh or equivalent um and also with the ray tracing stuff, which we can get to in a minute. Uh, but the 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 one big feature that that I saw that was huge uh, that 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 PC I, I can't see how this would happen on the PC is the quick resume stuff. They were talking about put, being able to to depending on you know the the size of the cache <laughs> of the game, be able to put the game in the sleep mode and resume it. Which I mean, you can do that right now per game basis on all the consoles even the switch you can do that it, it, it kind of loads up and it's right there um but they're saying depending on the the cache of the game that you would actually uh, have up to maybe like four games in some sort of hibernation mode that you can bring out and it takes a couple seconds to get locked back in but i mean that's could we ever get something that, like that on the pc like that would be awesome 
It would be theoretically we could. Theoretically, we might be able to. But to me, that's one of the benefits of consoles. You know, consoles are essentially hyper-specialized PCs at this point. Like, they exist to play games and make games as seamless as possible. So they dedicate system resources to having quick resume and stuff like that. Whereas a PC is a more general purpose. I mean, if you already have an SSD, it takes a, not even a minute to get into games. But I don't... I, I, what do you think, Gordon? Yeah, I, I don't think it's... It doesn't... It is because it is general purpose. Most people, you you game, and then, you know, you quit out of the game, you do other stuff, you do work, and then yeah. you go back into the game. I think that's the model that we've... And, you know, to be honest, you can't have a game just simply in the background, right? Plenty of games you could just simply... You know what? I'm going to go do Chrome, tab over to Chrome, fire up Office, Alt-Tab. It's already there, right? So... But it's not really made the, for This is like saying you have like two games in the back. You know, you're like switching between two games and you're like, ah, you know what? I feel I, like playing this one. All I right, then tomorrow I feel like playing the next one. And I, it's, I think it's just fairly meaningless on the model because you don't really need that on, on a PC. It's just, it's just you, you play one game, you do other stuff. You don't, on an Xbox, what are you going to do? You're going to come out, you're going to play game one, game two. It's kind of nice. It makes yeah. sense. Uh, no, you're going to watch people on Mixer. Come on. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it, it makes sense for dedicated, as Brad was saying, it Gee, makes sense in a dedicated Gordon, you game. you have no idea. No, here, I, was, I know you thought where I was going to go there. I don't even need to go there. There's no point. It's already settled. <laughs> Here's what I want to say now, though, is <clears throat> I want to ask what your opinions are, because I've been hearing this already. People are already saying this. <laughs> I'm hearing. Does, does it change? Well, does it change? Does, it, does Microsoft's news change today? Well... These will be the last consoles. They will not make a console pass this. It'll be a streaming future after this. Where where have you heard people saying this? Come on, man. <laughs> are you saying you've not heard people say this? There are no. many people, people have said that. No, I've heard people say that. Well, I mean, Adam, like, come on. But they said that before say today. No, like, not today. Just, not today. Not today. I'm they, saying. Yeah. They've I mean, said, they've it, said it in the past, yeah, of course. But, I mean, like, what, are you going to take them serious every time they say it? Like, no, but I'm saying, why do we, people keep saying these dumbass things? Because <laughs> because it's America. They're allowed to say whatever they want. <laughs> no, I know, but you're supposed, to be, you're supposed to be a person that lends information to help people make logical decisions on their own. And you have people saying these things like, what part of faster, better graphics, higher frame rate, ray tracing do you think is going to make you think people don't want hardware. And this is not against consoles or PCs. This is just simply, if you are into gaming, you want 4K, non-compressed textures, high-res everything at a high frame rate. If you are into PC, you want that incredibly low latency. What And what, what guidance is, is telling people that people think you want these, like, really compressed, high-latency gaming experience? I mean, so that's what I'm saying. Their PS6 will come out. There will be an Xbox One Series 2 that will come out, right? This is not going to this Before this series of consoles, they also said last gen was going to be the last one. So they keep wanting to call the death of consoles. They keep wanting to call the death of PCs over various different things. Yes. People I just want to play is... what they want to play on. P- people want clicks. Surprise. I also think this is just an... Gordon just has an issue with analysts, not <laughs> yeah. With, well, it's, <laughs> no, it's also look. It's and, not and only analysts. To get, uh, it's people well, like it, us. It's people. Yeah, it's, it's people trolling, and Gordon doesn't like those kind of trolls. He likes other kinds of trolls. I would expect <laughs> responsible journalism from troll. people, and a lot of it is not that, not really built on you know solid 
research it feels like. Just want to just want to point right. that out. Well, I'll, I'll, so let's. Have you talked about price? No, but yes, I actually right. wanted to bring this back to the uh, to the actual PC for a second because I've had a burning question for for Brad, but I think it's something that we all can take a stab at. So, Brad. Now that they've shifted to this, where it's eight cores, 16 threads, uh, Jaguar's finally been, like I said, you know, you know shot out an airlock into space uh, at long last, which <laughs> means that this is now going to be maybe not the base, like, common denominator. Like, there's probably, as you said, a lower model that's going to be sort of the base mm-hmm. um, going forward. But even still, I think it's going to be much closer to this, obviously, than what was in the machines before. Um, what do you think that means for the budget end of PC gaming? Because a lot of those people are playing on, like, Pentiums with two cores, four threads at most. You know, uh, everyone has... I mean, I just built that, um, what I call Little Sprout, my uh, Athlon 3000G <laughs> PC. But if we start getting to a point where someone's making an Assassin's Creed or Ubisoft's making Assassin's Creed and it's super open world and it's designed with this, like, eight-core at minimum, maybe six-core modern uh, AMD-type CPU in mind, what does that mean for the low end? Like, are we going to start to see kind of like a class disparity between people? What, you know, before it was like PCs always been like, we we don't leave anyone behind, as Gordon says. Like, we still, people can still play on integrated graphics if they want. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what this means now if this becomes the baseline. Uh, Well, I, the good news is I think there will be a couple of years of leeway if you are running a budget rig. Because I think it's like everything when there's new hardware, it takes developers a year or two to catch up to what the new hardware is capable of. That's why Direct X12 games took so long to come out. That's why ray tracing games aren't, you know, taking the world by storm right now, etc. I do think within a couple of years, I think at least a quad core. Right now, quad cores are essentially the baseline already in, in PC gaming. Uh, a couple years ago, it was dual cores, but then like Far Cry 4 wouldn't run on a dual core. The Call of Duty wouldn't run on a dual core. Right now, it's quad core. And like Ryzen 3 kind of chips, they all are quad cores. So are, I think Core i3s these days? I'm not sure. Uh, but you can get last-gen chips already on sale with six cores, 12 threads, or eight eight-core chips for very good prices already. I think, you know, by the time a couple years goes by and... <laughs> We are going to start seeing more games optimized for this kind of 8-core, 16-thread hardware, 8-straight-core hardware. Uh, I think CPU prices for that level of hardware on the PC are going to be even more affordable than they are now, and I consider them pretty damn affordable right now. What do you think? Me? I think it's just... I mean, the strength of the PC is legacy. You don't, again, you don't leave people, you don't try to intentionally push people high. Yeah. And, and it'll, there are people, if you're looking at a three to $400 budget PC, which you use for, you know, Photoshop, office, browsing, taxes, and gaming, you're not going to go out and buy a six, $700 Xbox, right? And it's just not, I, I don't think that makes sense, you know? I don't sure. think it's going to happen in most places where you have a fixed IT budget and you're going to throw it all into a gaming machine. You know, 
Sure, but what I mean is that if developers are designing with these consoles in mind, that, I mean... I mean, as we know, historically, a lot of developers have not always taken a lot of great care with their PC ports. So I'm kind of wondering what that shake, how that shakes out uh, in terms of experience for someone who has still got a Pentium-sized budget, a Athlon-sized budget. I, the reality of the situation is it's not going to change, I don't think, because it's just... Mm. <laughs> I, I think eventually there will be games that run on quad core today two or three years down the line there will be a triple a game that won't run on a quad core maybe well i will on, be on good i was just gonna say on that point uh peter jansen's asking uh it uh is it time that developers offer special options for more cores like how they offer graphic options for better graphics cards it's the only way to keep games running on low-end hardware because then you can go in and you know have your own pick is that something the developers should be picking up on to say hey you know what we're, we're going to give you more options for whatever CPU you have. You know, I we'll have to, go ahead. We'll have to see how it goes. Cause I mean, dual core lasted forever. They only just recently stopped supporting like far cry four, I think is what it was that didn't support dual core. So developers and engines will adapt to what you have on the PC to a large extent. And I think like there's a lot more life in it yet. And that was all I was going to say. So Gordon, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that. No, I, you know, it is hard for developers because you are, you know, you're trying to make money. It's not easy being a game developer and you want to throw more options at it. It's one of the reasons why PC has almost always been a mess because you have all the, the different platforms to account for. I, I think, look, we have had eight core CPUs for, 10 years and we're not to the point where anything is like, Oh man, I need an eight core CPU. I will be grateful for the day when you need an eight core 16 thread CPU to play games and things don't work. That's just not going to happen. Maybe some AAA, as Brad says, but the vast majority of games will run perfectly fine in quad core and dual core with SMT. Uh, but hopefully what will finally happen is this baloney promise we've been sold for, you know, forever that oh eight cores it will 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 trickle down for pcs and everything will be so much better it hasn't happened yet i'm i'm hoping that now that we really have sort of these real cores in the the new consoles that the tools will get better so developers can do it without basically making this a you know a a massive time sink whereas hopefully it happens but it just i i just don't my 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 faith is not there. I've been told that, and I've said that, and I've been wrong so many times in the past that I'll believe it when I see it. It would be nice. I don't believe it, though. I mean, because, mm-hmm. no, developers, it's about tools, it's about you know time, it's about budgets, and like they really are going to push this highly optimized game out for and like Sometimes more power makes it sloppier, too, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, what do I need to, to go in and optimize for? Look, I've got an overwhelming amount of hardware to use. I'll just be sloppier. That's usually the approach for a lot of people. It's like the original Xbox with that little weird ED RAM cache that they had. It's like, oh, this is what makes up for our performance with PS4. Five games used it, if that. Right? <laughs> I mean, everybody else is like, forget it. Compile. Send it. They're, they're not going to yep. like, oh, we're going to come in and optimize for your architecture. And they never did it. They nope. never did it. So. I'm actually hoping that you feel it more in your graphics more than than you feel it in your processor, the results of these. Because to me, one of the interesting things about the Xbox Series X and RDNA 2 is that it supports 
variable uh, rate shading and mesh shaders, uh, which NVIDIA actually rolled out along with ray tracing in its Turing RTX 20 series GPUs. And those are both basically really smart technologies to that figure out while the scene is rendering what your eye actually needs to look at, what's actually being seen, and what can be rendered at much lower fidelity because of what you're actually looking at in the scene. So that's going to be a big key to the Xbox Series X running so well. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of AAA games maybe lean into that, in which case you might feel it more on the graphics front on the PC side sooner than later because that's only supported in these two newer architectures by Radeon and GeForce. So, you know, 20 series, 16 series on GeForce and Navi. Or not even Navi. Navi doesn't support that right now. Whatever's coming out for big Navi. So I'm excited about it. I love efficiency and stuff like that. Both of those technologies are great. Well, and on that same point, uh, you know, because they kind of announced uh, how they're handling ray tracing on the, the Series X, uh, we can kind of then say this is probably what the next gen GPUs are, are going to be like, right? Uh, yes. All Meaning stuff, like no, no dedicated RT cores, you know, things like that. It didn't say no dedicated RT cores. It said no dedicated tensor cores. Oh, yeah. So, so NVIDIA's, NVIDIA's what, the way NVIDIA's cards work is the RT cores process it. The problem with ray tracing is it always has a lot of noise. So, and then the tensor cores come in on GeForce GPUs and they use machine intelligence basically to clean up the ray traced image so it doesn't look all grainy and nasty. Uh, it sounds like, going by the Digital Foundry report, that the RDNA 2 GPUs won't have tensor cores. They do have dedicated ray tracing hardware. But instead, they're loading up They're loading up on uh, FP16 FP8, I think it was. Uh, other forms of machine learning that aren't dedicated specialized tensor cores, more general purpose machine learning technology, to perform the same task, essentially. So they won't have DLSS... But they're they're hoping that their shader cores will basically do the equivalent thing. It's super interesting. It's interesting. I thought it was really cool. If you look at the uh, <clears throat> the Xbox post announcing all this stuff, they show Minecraft running with RTX on or ray tracing on, not RTX on, <laughs> and ray tracing off. And part of the reason I just almost said RTX on is one, because NVIDIA was smart to get ahead of this, and so that's the association everybody's had. But two, because NVIDIA's actually been the one, you know, pushing for this ray tracing in Minecraft. But the beauty, like we were talking about last week, of this all being built on DirectX ray tracing API is that now that AMD software supports it too, they'll be able to run it just as well as NVIDIA GPUs. Or maybe not just as well, it depends on the hardware implementation, but they will be able to run it. These ray trace games won't be locked to NVIDIA GPUs. Cool stuff. Yep, R- Richard had said uh, uh, they, they saw the demo, which is based on the Minecraft RTX code we saw back at Gamescom uh, last year and looks very similar despite running on a very different GPU. This uh, suggests an irony of sorts. Base NVIDIA code adapted and running on AMD-sourced ray tracing hardware within the Series X. Yeah. That's why I think NVIDIA was smart, even though they took the hit with the way that it didn't last gen these gen cards didn't have any additional performance for traditional games i think it was smarter than to get ahead of the marketing game with rtx but yeah good stuff this this thing looks like a beast i don't think it's going to cost six hundred dollars 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just realized the uh, expansion card was uh, branded as Seagate. Uh, C- yeah, they partnered with Seagate to build it. Yeah. Yeah, they've worked with them in the past before. I can't tell. Awesome stuff. Oh, I'm so, so excited. This yeah. actually got me excited. I usually don't care about consoles, but this thing's like a, a geek stream. This thing well, co- looks ridiculous. Question, are, are you going to buy it? No. It could beat most gaming PCs, but I have a 2080 Ti in my name. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm hoping that whatever update they make to a Series S is going to be more affordable and has the freaking... Uh, solid state drive because man i've been playing ori and there are times where like legitimately there is like a hiccup like it kind of like uh, yeah because it, it's just loading or it just you know is oh man i just these days i don't think i could ever recommend a hard disk drive to anybody building a pc i know it saves some money but ooh, hurts no. so bad I think uh, I think even if they do have a cheaper one, I think SSD will be the standard, just not NVMe. They need, so. Yeah, they need to go SSD. That's fine. Yeah. I just, but yeah, I don't think I could shell out six to seven hundred dollars for yet another console <laughs> just because I want an SSD. <laughs> um. So, Brad, uh, do do we have time to take some questions? Uh, Usually I have to leave right now to get my kids off the school bus, but oh. the kids ain't in school for a few weeks, so sure. I got a oh, question. Man. <laughs> I got a question. All right, let's, let's bring in some questions, Gordon. Here's my question. <clears throat> Elena knows she has a few of the console people. Um, is So you're saying that price, I mean, like it sounds to me like price is always the thing that decides this. Are Say they, what? Uh, whether people are going to buy it or not. What if PS4 okay. is just simply $200 cheaper? PS4, PS5. I mean, PS5. I have a PS5. I can't. They're all the same to me. But I'm just saying, yeah. PS to so the next gen console, Sony. I'm just saying, like, just like, is it gonna be like, yeah, okay, whatever. We're gonna. I mean, like, if they do come out the S, whatever, that's gonna come out later. But we're gonna be four hundred dollars. And you have six hundred dollars um, Xbox think, One series. I think it would be a little disastrous if. It's really going to be how Microsoft positions it, in my opinion. So, like, if they get wind that PlayStation's planning this, that they're saying ours is going to be $350 or $400 because we just don't have as much hardware packed into ours so we can afford to make it cheaper, then Microsoft's going to have to be really clear that they have two options, an affordable one that matches PS5 and one for people who are like, take my money, I want the best that I can get without having to build a PC. But if they if they were to come out where one is here and one is here, sure, that sounds great, but people are going to look at that price tag first, in my opinion. So that would mean that Sony could really use that price lever to to crush Xbox, even though it's superior in hardware, if it is, assuming. If Microsoft bungles their marketing again, yes. Yes, that's what happened at E3 2013. But how do you, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's just dollar sign, whatever, Australian or whatever, and then the price. How are you going to, how are you going to like, I mean, if it's really $100 to a console, I mean, you, you sort of know, like. Is the console person going to go, oh, it's $100 more, I'm not going to do it. You know, Is that enough? Is that a make or break it for a lot of people? Well, um, uh, yeah. on, on that I note, so. um, well, first of all, we got $5 from Swayze or Swayze. Uh, thank oh, you very much. Cool. Um, so his question, uh, his question is basically, you know, related to this is like, you know, so will Sony have a two-tier um, console just like the Xbox? Um, you know, uh, so will we see that 
in terms of you know like the the pricing too. You know, where there's going to be one that's like three fifty, and then one that's like you know, a, like a pro. I guess it depends on yeah. I don't think either either company neither company has uh, explicitly said, "Hey, we're going to have multiple levels of this." I think Xbox has hinted at. I don't know if they said explicitly. Uh, this is just us speculating based on what's inside of here. The fact that it's a series name leaks that have said that Sony is going to be quite a bit less powerful. It's just us talking. Uh, that being said, I would be surprised if Sony takes an approach similar to Microsoft, because Microsoft's mm-hmm. trying to make it kind of like the PC, but in console, their whole thing is, we want you to take your games, and we want you to be able to play it anywhere, whether that's the Windows PC you built yourself, whether it's over xCloud, whether it's on the Xbox One from last generation, whether it's on this thing that we just called the Series S that we were just speculating about, at $500, or if you want to spend $800 and get an Xbox One X and have it be ridiculous. Mm. We just want to offer all this stuff, and you play your game where you want. Whereas Sony is, I think, coming from a more of a traditional console maker's perspective. We're like, here, we're putting out this console, buy this console, play your games on it. So that that's my gut feeling about all this. Mm. Yeah. I would agree with that. Although I do think that if history is any indication, Sony's not... Uh, probably against the idea of having a two-tier system. I just don't think it's their priority to, to do like some kind of launch where it's all about options, options, options. I have another question. Sorry. <laughs> What's up, Gordon? I, uh, I didn't pay attention to the talk earlier, but the memory bandwidth is... No, no, because I, I, I was getting this cool 64-core third or... The memory bandwidth is different. Have you guys talked about that at all? Do, is there any, has anybody mentioned why in the world the memory bandwidth is different? 10 gigs at 560 gigs a second, and then 6 gigs at 336 gigs a second. Excuse me. I uh, accidentally Digital just, Foundry did go into it, yeah. Yeah. If you that? want to know the nitty-gritty details of that, go check out the Digital Foundry post. But basically, 10 gigabytes is going to be full speed, like super fast speed. Uh, memory, which 10 gigabytes, your game is going to be fine. Like, the 2080 Ti has 11 gigabytes of memory. So, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. No. And the other one is slower. Uh, and that's more for system stuff. There's a little bit of overflow for in case you need more in your actual, for whatever reason, if your game's taking more than 10 gigabytes of memory, there's some overflow there for some stuff that doesn't need to be so memory intensive they actually have a mixture of different size memory chips on there like there's two and one gigabyte i think it is chips uh, on there two gigabyte and four one gigabyte there hmm. you go so yeah it's actually pretty interesting it's nothing you could do on a pc uh digital foundry go check that out weird yep. it's weird uh, well, uh, for more questions, uh, John Williams uh, in YouTube asks, uh, are, Brad, are you still going to recommend the RX 5700 and 5700 XT when they don't have any of the next-gen features? We'll have to see what's available a year from now, but again, for right now, I think they're they're great graphics cards. So, I think if you're going to go and try to get a 1440p gaming machine, those are your best value right now. So, ray tracing is not I mean, clearly, ray tracing is. Is it you're okay with non ray tracing hardware? I'm. It's still the minority. Like very few games still have it. I think we're going to see a lot more games start to have it once these consoles come out. But again, it's going to take time for all for all this stuff to happen. 
If you're looking for a pure value, pure bang for buck, 5700 series delivers more of that than NVIDIA's ray tracing capable graphics cards. And I think that for the ray tracing capabilities that you get, unlike the 2060 and 2060 Super, it's not... I think a year from now, the level of ray tracing capabilities those offer aren't going to hold up very great, probably, compared to what's coming down the pipeline. So, for me, yeah, I, I still like the 5700 and 5700 XT. The vast majority of games are going to be normal games. Okay. If you're uh, buying now. Well, switching over to uh, for to Discord, uh, Boria Zero put in, since game develops, developers will design games to utilize 16 threads, I would imagine they'll be capable to use more than 24, 32, 64 cre- threads, maybe? Can we see a Threadripper becoming a much better gaming CPU in two to three years' time? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not going... They're not going to... 16 threads is more than the vast majority. They actually, in one of the one of the articles today, said they expect a lot of developers just to stick to the pure 8-thread physical core thing and disable hyper-threading to get faster single-core performance. So, uh, yeah, I really... There's... Threadripper is not a gaming chip. But Gordon... A Threadripper. Uh, <laughs> uh, Boria also asked a question. Um, based on a 6-core, 16-thread CPU in the new Xbox, is it possible that you will end up bottlenecking your frames per second in PC games uh, in not-too-distant future if you've opted for a 6-core CPU? Meaning, hey, the, 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 the baseline of the consoles is going to bring everyone up, so that means anybody under 8 cores is going to be left behind. This is the question I posed earlier. I don't, I don't, it's not going to matter in the near term, especially yeah. for a six or 12 thread chip. It's not going to, if you have a quad core, you might feel it sooner, but it would still, I think be uh, at least a year or two, a couple years before you start to feel that six core, 12 threads, I think will be fine. Yeah. Just... Especially, especially with like my, Microsoft was saying, they expect developers to target eight cores to begin with for the most part. Yeah. Come on. It's just like, yeah, I, it would be this would be a good situation to have your six core twelve thread <laughs> CPU be the bottleneck in gaming. I would like yeah. get down and I'd be so happy because <laughs> we have been at so many threads for such a long time and we ain't really seen much of a difference, right? So yep. come on, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Doc Deck uh, on Discord uh, asked. Um, uh, based off the RDNA 2 and CDNA discussion we had the last episode, are there any implications to either GPU's contribution to rendering video? In the Xbox? No. Or... It, with the RDNA 2 uh, and CDNA when they were talking about it on the, uh, the GPU side? I don't think they got or... into the specific details of it, but I'm sure that you know they're always looking to improve encode performance on GPU because it's become a real thing now. So they're always putting in new features, new codecs, blah, blah, blah. Even the new uh, mobile part actually supports some new uh, encode, decode codecs that were not in previous parts. Microsoft's... Uh, not Microsoft. Sorry, we've been talking about Microsoft for a while. AMD's always been very supportive of streaming so i wouldn't be surprised to see them start leaning if they have all this extra die room start leaning more heavily into adding more features to our dna 
Radeon graphics cards in the future. Uh, that being said, I guess the current implementation is not great, so we'll have to see how it goes. But they haven't said specifically anything at this point. They just said there's going to be two. Okay. Uh, got a little uh, 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 PC building uh, uh, question here from Visible Spark. Uh, just upgraded my PC to a Ryzen 5 3600. What's an acceptable stock voltage? I'm using the included air cooler and would like to do some light overclocking on an MSI MPG X570 motherboard. I don't have any insight into that. I know I don't. Yeah. I personally, when I overclock, I don't like to mess with voltages too much unless I have to. I like to just push the clocks as much as I can. Maybe tweak voltages just a little bit, but personally, yeah. I try to leave voltages alone. Yep. Yeah. Gordon. No, I don't. I would probably just, you know, the easiest thing to do is go out and see what people are recommending as far as how far they've gotten with overclock. But I mean, it's clearly when you play with voltage, that is the part where you start nuking things. So, um, I have blown up motherboards doing that by accident, screwing around. So, but, but that being said, thirty six hundred is one of the more popular chips, and the AMD enthusiast community is one of the more you know engaged ones out there. So, if you go out, if you look in the AMD subreddit, if you start looking in the Radeon forums, mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll find people who can give you much more concrete details with tell you exactly what they're running on all their different mm-hmm. things. So you'll have a better frame of reference yeah and then also the other the other thing is there hasn't been in the old days when you could take a 2500k and clock it up to four gigahertz from whatever there was always just a lot of headroom in the old days left for overclocking intel and amd have been gradually eating into this headroom for many many years now there's just not that much i think if you're into overclocking sports if you're willing to live with the quirks of dealing with it that's fine for your average person the the modern uh, boost modes have essentially taken have given you all that you're going to get out of most overclocks especially out in a lot of these amd parts so i it just to me it's for a regular person i don't know if it's really worth the headache so okay uh dennis siberian has a, another great question uh do you think if new consoles are based on arm and x86 cores working uh, do you guys think if new consoles are based on arm and x86 cores working together as rumored they might be cheaper than comparable pcs consoles are always cheaper than comparable pcs so yeah, yeah. i don't think uh, ARM... and you won't find arm chips i mean there are some security features like MacBooks use an ARM chip for security stuff. You won't find ARM chips really in PCs, so there's it's, it's kind of apples to oranges. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's a funny one from Tailpipe on Discord. Uh, why does everyone on the show pronounce ASUS ASUS? The company name is derived from the word Pegasus. So why not we why don't we say it ASUS? Yeah, that's what I used to do, but then I heard them talking about it. Yeah, the ASUS itself has changed many times over the years. In fact, they have released videos. I think even own their own employees counter contradict what they're how they pronounce it. I actually used to pronounce it ASUS, but yeah, it's just they pronounce ASUS. Yeah, I used to too. I remember because it was on this show actually when I first said it out loud, and you're like, "No, it's ASUS," and I asked someone <laughs> from ASUS, and they're like, "Yeah, it's ASUS." So that's why that's. That being said, 
for the GeForce cards, it's pronounced like 2080 Ti, if you ask anybody in NVIDIA, because it's, I believe, short for titanium. But uh, nobody normal or sane says that. We all just call it Ti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ti. Yeah. You can also, yeah, it's Huawei. Yeah. I, Flo Huawei. taught me yeah. that. Huawei. Huawei's a good one. Um, Dennis has another question. Uh, NVIDIA recently tweeted and then deleted a video of a blinking eye. What does Brad make of it? Do you think it's about foveated rendering? That would make sense. That was what the rumor going around was. Uh, I'm real curious to see what it is. I believe it was for for the 19th. It was uh, NVIDIA's New Zealand account, an Auckland account that, that tweeted it. I think it was March 19th, they were saying. That's a little bit before... Uh, the announcements that were supposed to be made at GTC were supposed to be announced. Uh, foveated rendering makes a lot of sense. NVIDIA has been pushing that hard for a long time. They actually... A variable rate shading that I was talking about that I loved earlier, that's coming to the consoles. That technology kind of came from foveated rendering a bit. It came from the idea of rendering things at the ed- at the edges differently. I would love to see it. I'm rambling. I would love to see it. If that's true, that'd be a big deal for VR. That being said, I don't see another VR headset launching in the super near future. And to do foveated rendering uh, might need new hardware. It needs to because it would need to track your eye position, like where you're actually looking. So we'll have to see. GTC is the time for future-looking technologies, and hey, look at this cool project that we have. This is what we want y'all to start working about. So that would make sense for the time frame. We'll have to see. I'm also expecting to hear about next-gen GPUs soon. It was vague. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of Asus, uh, Asus, Asus West <laughs> on the Discord as uh, is it possible for one Windows 10 PC to have two users at the same time? One physically at the computer and another user remotely use that PC at the same time, like remote remote desktop or something? It's been done over uh, the years. There have been many kind of weird gimmicks and software and even hardware dongles to let you have two people sitting at the same thing. I think the main issue is the Windows license itself. They really want you to pay for the license for that computer. But yes, it is possible. It's been done in even previous versions of the OS. So, yeah, and I nice, uh, the other. I, I know, like uh, tech support uses uh, different kind of things to uh, to remote in and and help. Uh, you know, their their IT people. So, uh, here's an interesting one uh, that I think would be fun for for us to answer uh, from. T1 Murek, um, when you are not at work office, how do you spend your time? Uh, hiking, gaming, pub visiting, walking, hanging with friends, club cinema, maybe literally alone? <laughs> yes. Well, I guess it's different now. You know, <laughs> now we're, we're literally well, stuck at home. I can yeah. answer for Brad and myself. We have okay. kids. Yeah, that's a lot of it. <laughs> we have kids. kids. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. That's I mean, whatever you still they're do doing. Stuff with your kids, though. Yeah, you're. You know what it is? You're basically their personal Uber and Lyft, and then you just simply drive them around. Oh, I mean, you know, my, I I know my, my wife gets very angry when I say your life is over, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, hey, let's go to the club tonight. Let's go to the bar or the pub. No. No, that's Did you just, ever go no. to the club before you had kids? <laughs> yeah, I've gone to the club before. 
You, oh, you you go to the club and then then once you're like but you know once you're you're married it's about the cell phone holster it's it's over it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I've been picturing Gordon like the LMFAO style like club gear. Like <laughs> even the kids. No, when I went to the clubs, it was uh, different. I mean, they don't even exist anymore. They're probably like some restaurant in the city. They don't exist anymore. They've been long gone. So. You, you mean disco? <laughs> no, not that old. <laughs> the disco probably came back. <laughs> so let me. I do you remember DV8? Yeah. See, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, forget it. It was a popular club, didn't they? Hey, you know what? Y'all lucky we give you our eighties and nineties music, okay? <laughs> I, I Thank actually, you for your music now. Gordon is a hundred percent correct. A lot of basically when I get out of work until the time my kids go to bed are kid time. That being said, the past year and a half I've been putting a lot I've been spending an hour or two a day working on physical activity a couple times a month. My wife and I try to go catch theater shows and stuff like that. Oh. You know, I like to go down to uh, the local art stuff and see plays, see concerts, see comedians, stuff like that. Uh, I spend a lot of time lurking on stupid ass subreddits when I should be sleeping. And I like to hike and take walks. Hey. That's it. I play games, obviously, and play <laughs> games. I thought that went without saying, but in case it didn't, I play a lot of video games, too. <laughs> Yes, I, I know that know. one where I, I'm i supposed to be asleep, but I have my phone in my hand and I'm on Reddit. Yes. Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, uh, Elena, there's a question coming in from Adam Patrick Murray. Uh, how's okay. uh, how's Ori and the Will of the Wisps treating you? Oh, gosh. I haven't asked. Uh, you know, it's one of... It's, I'm actually a little disappointed and I think it's because I was I had this is a problem when you have expectations and you anticipate something and you just keep thinking this is going to be the greatest because I love the first one it's almost like you set it up for failure you know it's like not it's almost not fair to the game itself I think it's as I was saying when we did the live stream I think it's it feels good like the mechanics feel good um it's still beautiful the soundtrack's still great um but I'm actually finding it a little bit tedious. Uh, like, it's easy for me to put it down and just wait to come back to it. Whereas I felt like with the first one, I just got so engrossed in it that I would just play it for hours and hours beyond what I should have because I have um, some tendonitis in my wrist. So in, in a way, it's good because now I'm taking breaks like I'm supposed to. <laughs> but um, it feels more like revisiting... Uh, the same experience and I was expecting it to be like have like a little new flavor in a way that would excite me and I mm, I don't think I feel it yet I'm, I'm like four hours in I, I still have you know a good chunk of it to go so I'm gonna wait because you know sometimes the experience your overall opinion changes once you finish a game so <laughs> Uh, also, uh, a- Angel Ivanov uh, in YouTube chat is is asking or telling me to tell Gordon that uh, she that you played it on the a controller, not a mouse and keyboard. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we had so many comments during the live stream saying like, "Yeah, Gordon, like I'd like to see you play this game with a mouse and keyboard." <laughs> I'm just saying, right tools, right job, right? That's just, that's and, and Counter Strike, right tool, right job. Would not be a controller. They set a record this weekend with everybody home. Million people playing Counter Strike at once. Ooh, wow! Yeah, 
Future. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's my that's now what I'm doing in my free time. <laughs> God, I wonder You've been if in the a... original sin two here. That's yeah. that's what I've been trying to to get through. Oh, I never beat that game. That game is great. It's one of my favorites, but it's oh, it's, it's so long. deep. It's so there's so much. There's so. <laughs> I much. played the initial starting bit like six different times, just trying to uh. build different things. <laughs> that's like the I... best and worst thing about video games right now. Where there's a part of you where. You, where you think, man, if I was 15 again and I had all this free time, I hit this game would be such like such a value for me because I can spend 100 plus hours, maybe even more, in this one game that I spent 60 bucks on. And now as an adult, it's like, oh no, just make it over because I need to move on. <laughs> Someone said it. I saw it said once, and I love it. I, I totally agree with it. When you were a kid, you had all the time and none the money. Now I got the money to buy games, but none of the time to play them. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Easy. So nobody has any uh, games planned over the next few days that they're really looking forward to. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm counting the days down for Doom Eternal, uh, <laughs> chomping at the bit for that one. You oh, talked yeah. a lot about that. <laughs> I'm and, actually and, uh, actually the new uh, the new Control expansion too. Hell yeah! Ooh. Yeah, my kids are actually like I said earlier, they're home for the next few weeks now, just like so many people are. So my my personal plan for fun stuff over the next few days is to hopefully build a PC with them, actually, because I have uh, Xbox Game Pass for PC subscription. Nice. So then we'll together build a PC, get it up in the living room, put it next to the Switch so they have a bunch more games to play. You're an awesome dad, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> get them hooked young. That's the thing. If they, they want to read about PCs, that gives me longevity in my career. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I think I think we're uh, let's let's wrap it up. Let's let's get it out of here. I'm no, eating some lunch. I just want to see because I want to make sure because you know what are your predictions for how the console, the new console war will will shake out? I think <laughs> I will. Admit, I think I was wrong. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go on paper. I think Xbox Series X one yes is going to crush PlayStation Five in performance. Ooh. Sony, I think will un- try to underprice it but i think it's it's i i i have a hard, i think i think i think microsoft read the re- did not want to get beat up last time and i think it's going to crush ps5 that's my prediction no nobody wants to go anywhere on the i mean i i all signs in my mind uh point paper. to, to microsoft le- leading the charge this time around so yeah, I'm I'm fine saying Microsoft is is going to take the lead this next generation. Yeah, I think Series X is going to crush PlayStation Five, but I also think there will be a Series S that they're it's going to closely match PlayStation Five, and Microsoft's just going to price match whatever Sony does with it. Yeah, <laughs> I still think it's I still think it's all just me based on price, like how mm. things how things shake out. So. I also think we all want to go to lunch. Okay. <laughs> all want to go to lunch. Well, lunch time. Hopefully, check back next week for your fix at PC Talk on the Full Nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, Spotify. or Stitcher. Spotify. Please also leave a review every time you do. We add one more person to the Skype video conference. Send questions and comments <laughs> from the full nerd at PCWorld.com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Young with Brad Charkas. Adios. Elaine Yee. Bye, it's like a Brady Bunch thing here. Anna and Patrick Murray, <laughs> stay safe. Where's BB? <laughs> oh yeah, where's oh, BB? Yeah, she, yeah, well, she left. Yeah, uh, she sleeps face down like this. Yeah, and Willis will hit the off button.
All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.